For our scripture reading, we turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We start at verse 11. And I'm going to read also into the first three verses of chapter 5. We'll start at chapter 4, verse 11, through chapter 5, verse 3. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures, and the text we consider tonight consists of verses 20 and, and 21. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Dearly beloved, now Lord Jesus Christ, we look at this text as it is in its context. We look at what is being said here and we look at the context and we can see what, what Paul is speaking about by the inspiration of the Spirit. And in verse 17 he says, This I say, therefore, and then he adds, and testify in the Lord. This is the word of God. That ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And then in verse 19, he talks about those who are past feeling and who have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, and then, but ye, ye have not so learned Christ. We recognize what the danger is. The danger is that a, in a church of Jesus Christ, in an instituted church, in a church even where the truth is proclaimed that salvation is by grace alone. That salvation is unconditional. That the covenant is unconditional. Let it be the case that there be those that, that gather and they hear, well, it's all of God, which it is. There's no condition that we have to fulfill to we didn't have to do anything to get into Christ. We are engrafted into him. We are saved by irresistible grace. It's true. There's nothing we have to keep on doing. There's nothing that we have to keep on doing, and if we don't, we'll fall out. That's true. And that there be those that they gather, and they're there when the gospel is proclaimed, 
But as they go forth during the week, that they're being busy doing things that are clearly contrary to what God says, clearly contrary to what Christ says. That in their business dealings, that they're dishonest. That they do things at times that even those of the world, if they were to catch them, would speak against what they're doing. That's not honest. What you're doing there? Or that they use language like those of the world. And in the workplace, that you frequently hear the filthy language that's characteristic of the Gentiles who know not God. We go to work, and then we talk like the Gentiles do. They don't know God, and we talk like them. Some even using God's name in vain. And with regard to fornication, well, we know we shouldn't do it, or we're all sinners. We start looking at things that we ought not, even joking about things that we know we should not joke about, perhaps, or even going farther and trying to get others to commit acts that are wicked. Or it be the case, say, with the young people, or young adults, or it could be those of any age. Doesn't have to be those that are younger, who become known for those that are that are partiers. I understand that having a party. I mean, we often use the term party for having a get together or a party at a certain event, but we understand that that term partying is often carries with it a different meaning. So when we hear that term, we often think of alcohol. And on the one hand, we can have a drink. The Bible speaks of having wine. There are laws in our own land concerning when one can And we are to follow those laws. But we also understand the Bible speaks of having wine. But it speaks of the danger of not drinking in moderation. And we recognize that the danger is, is that those are drinking, that they're gathering together to drink and to drink more than they ought and how much they should drink changes and perhaps over time. And so they're drinking more And they're drinking more and drinking more. And perhaps then also driving. And then there's often sexual sins that are involved in partying. And yet there can be the case that there are those that are partiers in that sense of drunkenness and fornication filthy language and yet they continue to come to worship as if well you you have to go to church on Sunday and so you come to church on the Lord's day and you sing the praises of God and you are there while the word is proclaimed and then you you go back to the same thing 
And this passage says, Ye have not so learned Christ. Ye have not. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And then goes off and goes on and says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. The old man. Put off the old man that's corrupt according to deceitful lust. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, and so on. That we are henceforth to walk not as other Gentiles walk. We can see how that applies to those that came from outside, that heard the gospel as Paul went on different missionary journeys and as they came to understand as they heard the gospel preached and they turned from their wicked ways they by the grace of God believed the gospel and then as time goes on as time goes on that there be a turning, a turning to walking as, the, as those of the world. And there is the exhortation here that we are to walk henceforth not as other Gentiles walk. Now, may I wonder, now, who would do that? On the one hand, we recognize that there are those that they don't believe with a genuine faith. There are those that may externally turn and may externally make a confession that they believe, but it's not a genuine faith. You know, it's a temporary faith, and then they fall away. And the scriptures speak about that. That may happen. That there are those that just have a temporary faith. Their faith isn't genuine. We recognize also that those who are God's people those who truly have Christ within them, that God will work in them, and they will walk in obedience. But that doesn't mean that there are not times where even God's people have turned and gone the wrong way. And the scriptures speak of that repeatedly. And so even we who are the people of God are exhorted, don't turn that way. You see what the Gentiles do. We're not to do that. As we had this morning, we're not our own. We've been redeemed. We belong to Christ. May we glorify him. May we live unto our Lord who died for us. And show our thankfulness to him for what he has done. So we consider this passage under the theme, Ye have not so learned Christ. We consider, first of all, what we were. Secondly, who has instructed us. And then thirdly, what he has taught us. First of all, this chapter speaks when it says, or this verse, when it says, ye have not so learned Christ. And we think we're directed back to what he had been talking about. 
and when he talks about the Gentiles, and then he says that ye walk henceforth not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind, we're reminded of what we, what we were. In fact, we're also reminded of what our sinful nature is like. Man's nature is corrupt. And that's what this passage speaks of. Sometimes that's a little bit hard to grasp. What does it mean that man's nature is corrupt? That he does evil things, that's easier to see. That he says things he shouldn't say and thinks things he shouldn't think, that's easier to see. Understand, but what do you mean when you say his nature is corrupt? And then we're directed to consider the mind, the understanding of man, and to consider the heart and will of man. When God speaks to us about our nature, directs us to consider our mind and our will, our understanding and our heart. And it talks about what happened when man fell into sin. This passage speaks about how his understanding is darkened. Having his understanding darkened. And as far as his heart, verse 18 says, speaks of the blindness of his heart. And elsewhere, that word has been also translated hardness. It can also have that idea of hardness of heart. And when we talk about total depravity, we're talking about the darkness of man's mind, his understanding, and the hardness of his heart, of his will. That's brought out quite clearly. And the change that happened when man fell is brought out quite clearly in the first article of the third and fourth head of the canon. It's also an article that brings out that man by nature does not, the, un, the natural man does not bear the image of God, even though many teach that. That he doesn't. Article 1 starts off by talking about how man was formed after the image of God. It talks about his understanding. His understanding was adorned with a true and saving knowledge of God, of his creator and of spiritual things. How about his heart and will? They were, they were upright. And then going on to the end of the article, what happened after man fell? What happened to his mind? He entailed on himself blindness of mind, horrible darkness, vanity and perverseness of judgment. That's what happened. 
How about his heart? His will. He became wicked, rebellious, and obdurant, or hard, in heart and will. That's what happened when man fell into sin. That's the nature of man. And that's what we're referring to him, referring to when we speak of the depravity of man. His nature. Article 3 says he's neither able nor willing to return to God. Just two articles over, it says, unbelieving man is not able nor willing to return to God. Someone might say he's able to, he's not willing to. That's not what it says. It says he's not able nor willing to return to God. It serves to bring out that if somebody's going to turn to God, it would have to be a work of God's efficacious grace, or no one ever would. Man by nature is dead. And that is the truth of the Word of God. Those that talk about a conditional covenant, or those that say that unbelieving man has to accept Christ, he's dead. His mind blindness, his heart, hard, rebellious. That's the corruption of the natural man. Now, they do have some knowledge. They do have some knowledge of God, and our creeds speak of that, too. They know there is a God. And that's sufficient that they might be without excuse. They know about the differences, certain things about the differences between good and evil. They know that stealing is wrong and lying is wrong. And yet they do these things. They know there is a God and that God should be glorified, but they do not. And... That knowledge, it's not that having that knowledge, they're able to do some things that are good. No. That knowledge is sufficient to leave them without excuse. Well, the natural man, this text also speaks of how the depraved sinner goes from bad to worse. So this text not only speaks about the depravity of man, but it also talks about how sinners go from bad to worse. It isn't that there's some good in man by nature and he loses some of that good. That's not the idea. There's nothing good. He's depraved by nature. But he does go from bad to worse. Not from good to bad, but bad to worse. And that's referred to in verse 19 when it says, who being past 
feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Now, in lasciviousness is excess, unbridled, unbridled lust. And they give themselves over to it to work all uncleanness with greediness. The scriptures speak of that elsewhere. It speaks of those whose conscience are seared as with a hot iron. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 2, we read of those whose conscience are seared. And here we have the, it says, their past feeling. When somebody does, when an unbeliever does what is wrong, they do have a conscience. They hear that testimony in their conscience that what they've done is wrong. They know they've done something wrong. Say they're dishonest. An unbelieving person is dishonest. Well, he knows what he's done is wrong. He has that testimony of his conscience that what what he just did was wrong. And our creeds rightly speak of an unbeliever will do things out of self-love or or fear of damnation. One can fear the punishment. And when somebody has that, when their conscience, they have that testimony of their conscience that what they're doing isn't right and they should turn, they should not do that. Well, there are times when this is talking about an unbeliever who, even though he's hearing that testimony of his conscience, he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. And his conscience becomes seared as with a hot iron, it says, and he gets to the point where he's past feeling and he gives himself over. And he goes deeper, deeper into it. And we see in that the judgment of God. It is a just judgment of God. You know, it's interesting to consider Ephesians, this passage in Ephesians, and how it's similar to Romans. Romans 1. Romans 1 speaks of God giving people over. And here it speaks of the people giving themselves over. Similar to when you read about Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. That's true. Some people say, well, look, it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. That's true. It does say he hardened his heart. But it also says in other passages that God hardened his heart. So here, one could say, well, look, it says here they gave themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's true. They give themselves over. But you can also look at Romans 1 that speaks of God giving them over. A just judgment of God to those that are rejecting what God says. And as time goes on, 
They go deeper. We're aware of the fact that the world itself gets worse, that the wickedness that we see in the world gets worse as time goes on. So you can look not just at the individual. How is it that homosexual sins become more and more promoted when it's clearly contrary to the word of God? It's very obvious that marriage is to be between a man and a woman. And if somebody is a man, he's not to try to change to be a woman. But people reject the word of God. They reject the idea that the sexual relationships are to be within marriage. They reject that. And they go deeper into sexual sins. And the things that are characteristic of the day in which we live today. We know the scripture points that out when it talks about giving them over and the wickedness that is so prevalent. And then God says here, Ye have not so, ye have not so learned Christ. We are henceforth not to walk as the Gentiles in the vanity of their mind. We have learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. We've heard him. And now we start looking at the contrast. We've been taught We've been taught by Christ. Now we see what the world does. We read in the scriptures about what the world does. And we recognize we ourselves have a depraved nature. But God also says to us, ye have learned Christ. You've heard him. You've been taught by him. By Christ himself. He's our chief prophet and teacher. When we talk about what does it mean that Jesus is the Christ and we say he's the anointed one? He's anointed with the Spirit. He's our prophet, priest, and king. He's our chief prophet. When we talk about him as prophet, he's our chief prophet and teacher. So he teaches us. It's not simply that we learn about him, but he teaches us. He really does. And, of course, Jesus said that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, which is more than saying, my sheep will hear about me. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And we hear him speak. And that's what this passage says. If so be that ye have heard him. Now, these written to the Ephesians, it wasn't that, it wasn't saying that Christ before his death went to Ephesus and that these people had heard Christ speak before his death. 
But when they are told, ye have heard him, it's understood that when Christ sends his messengers and they preach that gospel, that Christ is being heard through those whom he has sent. And we say, too, that today in the preaching of the gospel, we hear Christ speak to us. Now, that doesn't mean that the preaching is infallible. The scriptures are infallible. When the, when the writers of scripture were, were writing scripture, they were guided, so they wrote infallibly. But when we preach those scriptures, we don't say our preaching's infallible, just like we don't say our confessions are infallible. Well, we say, insofar as the word of truth, the gospel of grace is being proclaimed, we're hearing Christ speak through the church of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the gospel, the good news about salvation in the mediator. We hear him. And we hear his teachers, we hear his teachings told us by other members of the body of Christ. Other members in whom Christ dwell, they speak to us what Christ says. We hear Christ's sayings from one another as we gather together to talk about the word. Or as we have conversations at various times and bring up what Christ has taught us. We hear Christ's sayings spoken to us through other members of the body of Christ. Now those who reject, those who reject what Christ says, they're rejecting Christ who is the light, who is the truth. Jesus is the truth. That's mentioned. Ye have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus said he is the truth. And he speaks the truth. The truth is in Jesus, this passage says. Those who reject Christ are rejecting the truth. 2 Timothy 2 speaks of those who receive not the love of the truth. They hold to a lie. Those who reject Christ are rejecting him who is the light. Unbelieving man rejects him who is the light. They walk in darkness. Satan blinds them. We read of that in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. And there are those who hear Christ's sayings, in a sense, they hear it. There's an external hearing and there's an internal. We talk about the internal and the external aspect of the call. When the gospel is preached, there is the external aspect in that everybody there you know, the, the, the sayings of Christ are taught. And there's an external hearing also by those who don't believe it. There are those that don't believe that are present. There's an 
internal work of the Spirit in God's elect people that they hear and believe. And then that's manifested in their life. And we refer to that internal aspect. But now looking at it from the viewpoint of the external aspect, you recall how Jesus spoke about the foolish builder that built his house upon the sand. And you children here, you children remember that about the foolish builder. He builds his house upon the sand. Who is that? What specifically does it say? Now one might say, well, that's got to be an unbeliever. Well, it is. But what specifically does it say about the unbeliever? It refers to those who hear Christ's sayings. They actually hear the sayings. But they don't do them. They hear them, all right. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, this is Matthew 7, 26. Jesus said, there are those who hear these sayings of mine, but they don't do them. He'll be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. He hears the sayings, but he does not do them. He goes right back and he doesn't, and he continues to walk in sin. He doesn't turn from his sin. And we understand the distinction, the distinction between the fact that we're all sinners, so we're all, we all have to fight our sinful nature. Yet there's a difference between those who are coming to God in genuine sorrow, asking for forgiveness and asking for deliverance, and who are fighting against their threefold enemy. There's a difference between those and those that are just continuing on walking in sin. And they don't intend to stop. They may even laugh about things they're doing that they ought not do. And there were those that would hear the sayings of Christ and they wouldn't do them. They're like the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. Now, as was mentioned, those who hear inwardly, those who are taught by Christ and hear Christ speak inwardly, hear that call, when that call, that call come work, the Spirit works in them inwardly, and they believe that word, they do follow Christ. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. God's elect people will follow Christ. 
Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me, Jesus said. Every one of them that hath heard and hath learned of the Father comes unto me. God draws us, Spirit draws us, God works in us that we do come. And we do confess our sins. The Spirit works faith in us. And that true faith, it is interesting to see the language that's used in our Belgic Confession about that. It speaks in Article 24 about that true faith causing one to live a new life and freeing him from the bondage of sin, this God-worked faith. And it speaks of one uh, faith that excites man to the practice of those works which God has commanded in his word. It excites man. That true faith excites man to the practice of those works which God has commanded us in his word. God instructs us. We do hear him. We hear Christ. Now what has he taught us? Well, we understand. He, we know he's taught us the word of God. We know he teaches us about the will of God. He speaks to us about God's will concerning us, God's love concerning us. Just the things that we had this morning that he speaks to us about how Christ is satisfied for all of our sin. He speaks about the fact that he preserves us. That not without the will of our Father, not a hair can fall from our head. That we know that. The Spirit assures us of everlasting life. He will abide with us forever. God teaches us. Christ teaches us these things. You think of how many people pursue knowledge in different areas. Man will pursue knowledge in all sorts of areas where he thinks that there's going to be some benefits, some carnal benefit to, to man. And of course, we too will join with them in certain things that we also benefit from bodily health, for example, so that we can work right with the people of the world in studying medicine. And there's many subjects like that, that we can work right with them in studying and trying to understand certain things. And we see the benefit in that. Man will pursue, but man's pursuit of knowledge is only, he's only got his own carnal desires as far as his motivation and when it comes to the subject of the knowledge that we find in the scriptures the good news of the gospel the knowledge of the truth it says they're ever learning but they are never able to come to a knowledge of the truth 
ever learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3, verse 7. By the grace of God, we are taught by Christ and we learn Christ. And that's what the text says. Ye have not so learned Christ. We proclaim Christ. We are learning Christ. That's what we're learning. We're learning Christ. All the scriptures speak to us about Christ. The context spoke of us growing up into him. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're taught about Christ's work for us. We're taught about his work in us. We're taught about how we are members of one body, and we know that every passage we study is about Christ, so that we're always speaking about him. We're always speaking about our Lord, our shepherd, about what he has done for us, what he does in us, and what he tells us, what he calls us. We hear his, him telling us what we are to do and what we're not to do. We hear Christ telling us these things, just as the disciples did that walked with him before his death, he gave instruction to them about what their calling was. And so we hear also what, we're, what our calling is. And then this chapter is going to go on into that, talking about a number of specific things, what we're not to do and what we are to do. Not only what we're not to do, but also what we are to do. A good example is verse 28. Don't steal anymore. Rather, labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. We have learned Christ. Christ has taught us. And we're not to, to hear that and then go into, into our business practices and do that which we know is not right. Let him that stole steal no more. Let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So that also it points to our giving, not stealing, but giving. Working and giving. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the, to, to, that's edifying. So it talks about what we're not to do and what we are to do. That's what Christ has taught us. That to the teaching that Christ has given to us is the teaching concerning what we are to do and what we're not to do. And we're to heed that, we're to heed that instruction. And we're to be on guard and to take heed, recognizing that the Bible speaks of examples in the past where people weren't doing that. 
Israel's an example. God gives us an example of what happened to what happened in the days of Jer- you know, the message that Jeremiah had to bring. Jeremiah was told to speak against the fact that people were stealing, people were murdering, people were committing adultery, and they were swearing falsely, and then they would come and worship at the temple. And the word of God through Jeremiah was, Will ye steal and murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We're delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? And then he tell, directs them, Go ye now unto my place which was in Shiloh. He points out what happened in Shiloh where the tabernacle once stood. And it wasn't anymore. And he says, go there. And then he speaks about what's going to happen to the people. And it was soon after this that you had the Babylonian captivity. Now we know that. So we got examples like that in the scriptures. We, this word comes to us, and it tells us, just like we had this morning, we're not to walk as the Gentiles who know not God. We're to follow our teacher. We're to imitate God. And that's why we read a little bit into chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. You see what the world does. Don't imitate them. Don't be doing the same thing that they do. You're children of God. And that's the word of God to us, young and old. Young people, young adults, younger children, older adults. Ye are children of God. You've been separated from this world. Christ has redeemed you. You belong to him. The spirit of Christ dwells in you. God has shown you his love for you. Christ assures you of his love for you. Live unto him. Imitate your heavenly father. Follow your Lord. Turn away from the wickedness. That's an ongoing turning. And live to the glory of our God. Even those of us, I mean, it should be the case, this is not a word of God that comes only to somebody who's walking in a sin and told, repent, although it is. It is certainly saying to anybody that's currently walking in a sin, repent, turn from that. Come unto God and confess your sin. Don't deny it. And he will forgive you. And he will strengthen you.
It's not only talking, though, to somebody that is walking currently in a sin, but it's talking also to all of us that we all see what the world does. And we know what we were like. And we know what the Spirit has done in us. And we really do want to serve Him. And we are encouraged. And we hear the exhortation. And the Spirit works in our heart to fight. To fight against that enemy. And to go through the day, and we see things that the world does, and we say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to walk like the Gentiles do that don't know God. That we fight against that evil nature. Things like sinful anger. That's, that's going to come up in this chapter too. We mention things like fornication and drunkenness and stealing and filthy language. Also anger is mentioned see what the world does people treat them badly see the anger that characterizes sinful man we're told let all bitterness all bitterness the danger of being bitter let all bitterness and wrath and anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all the malice be kind. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We're not our own. We belong to our Savior. May we show that in our life. Indeed, by the grace of God, we see the work of the Spirit in us and in you children. We see it in you children. We see it in your young people. We see it in the young adult. And we thank God for that, for the work of the Spirit in you. We who are older and we who are younger, we're together to encourage one another. There are times when you who are younger are encouraging us that are older. Sometimes the ones that are younger are pointing out to those that are older, now, I really shouldn't do that. Together we're to encourage one another, to exhort one another. Together we're to live to our Lord, who has redeemed us. May we together magnify his name as members of his body, living to his glory. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful for the grace that thou dost give unto us. Strengthen us, O Lord, in the battle, in the battle against our foes. We are thankful that we have learned, that we are learning, that we hear Christ, that we are taught of Christ, of him, that we hear his voice. Grant us grace to imitate him.
and grant that grace unto our children, we pray. May we grow in faith, may we grow in wisdom and understanding, and may we together praise thy name. Forgive our sins. We are sorry for our sins. Lord, forgive us and deliver us from evil. For Christ's sake, amen.